0: I'm Lisa Bryant. I'm Leanne Gibbs.
1: And I'm Liam McNicholas.
0: And this is the Early Education Show. A fortnightly
2: look at the policy, politics and practice of Australia's early education sector.
1: New South Wales government has announced services in New South Wales will be required to display a STAR rating alongside their usual national quality standard rating in an apparent bid to help families better understand these ratings. The STAR ratings have had a very mixed response from the sector raising issues of professional identity, the marketing of the NQF to the community, and how well services are being supported to improve quality. So we're going to do one of our very topical episodes, which I think we've kind of struggled with, with the move to, to Fortnightly. It's a bit harder for us to respond quickly. I feel like we used to do a lot of these episodes when we were weekly, but we, we, we thought this episode uh, wasn't on our schedule, but this was a pretty big issue and the reaction the sector has been fascinating. So we are going to tackle it. But we thought before we get to that point... Um, but we've got a particularly Lisa... No, before
0: you even get to that point, Ooh. Liam. Yes, we've got to say, won't it be fun because the three of us can all banter together? Oh yes, for it a long time. It has been a
1: while. Yeah. Yeah. So it have has. you got
0: your bantering hats on?
1: <laughs> yes, Indeedy. <laughs> mine's a mine's a bantering um, t shirt. My special pajama bantering t-shirt I put a particular one on um, but we thought we might start we might actually be given we've got such a wealth of experience and, and knowledge in, in with the in the connection tonight so Leanne you you mentioned that you were going to provide a bit of a a potted history with your description of rating systems for the sector in general so why don't you let us know all about that
2: Oh, well, what I, what I did want to start with was how rating systems came about because they didn't even exist um, before the 1800s, can you believe? There wasn't even a rating system.
1: <laughs> I didn't know we were going did back I? that far. We've got well, an hour, Leanne, just, I will, just hour episodes. Quick, I'll
2: be very quick. <laughs> I know I've been told to keep this brief, and I will. I'll happily keep it brief. But I did want you to know that the stars that we now experience, which will be experienced in each setting from uh, June or July in 2020, had their roots uh, with a woman called Mariana Stark, who is best known for her groundbreaking travel guide of France and Italy. She also wrote plays and poetry, but she was discouraged by poor reviews, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> um, but she but she, uh, used her travel guide, she used exclamation marks to indicate whether something was of interest. So I thought that that was... Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And I thought, wow, we could have a multitude of exclamation marks because the sector does enjoy using exclamation marks. So I thought it would be quite an appropriate rating system. Now, I won't go through all the things that are rated, but we do know that there's books, there's movies, there's all of those things. But interestingly enough, the my school stuff doesn't really have any, like, really overt... um, league tables now. They did have those for a while, didn't they? But they took them away because I think that the teachers felt like that was going to affect their mental health and also um, decision-making where parents didn't really have decision-making control. But our system has its roots in the NAYC system from the States, um, and we actually had that as a voluntary system. We were trained up by the wonderful Sue Bretta Camp, and it was a voluntary um, submission to assessing your, yourself and then having a peer come in and review you and accredit your service in a voluntary capacity. And that was the forerunner to the accreditation system. And the NAEYC Gee, a
0: peer, eh? That must yeah. have been a unique experience. Well,
2: that was how the NCAC system also originally started, was a peer review system. So it was still voluntary, which is kind of... Interesting because people did it um, in a voluntary capacity, and it kind of went on your CV as something that you that you did, you know, that you you had contributed to the sector. But of course, people probably were exploited under that system as well, and they brought a lot of um, bias to it as well in the early days. So that was that was an interesting component of it. That we won't go into um, the NAY system is still being run and they're accredited for five years in the states and that has percentages of you know what they actually meet so then our system which came in in 1993 and the first center that was um, accredited was called Little Cribs Milton in Queensland and I want you to know that that was a private um, center (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I think that that, was a, that might have been a political decision. What was their rating? Well, I don't know. It must have been probably good quality. And there were the there were the the unsatisfactory, satisfactory, good quality, or high quality. And the certificate always had to be displayed. This is the you know this is the what we've experienced over time is that the certificate had to be displayed. But in thinking about that whole system before it then moved to the current system which we all know the different rating levels is that it it always was a whole system approach so it was never get out there get your rating display that and that's how you do your marketing which is in some ways what it has moved to it was about improving quality and there was a there was good resourcing under it to improve quality and that that was, you know, where services were working towards, they were um, offered the opportunity to improve through professional support and through a kind of whole systems approach to improvement. So the interest there was with children, with the improvement for the centre and the improvement of quality. So, oh, that's Hang the, on, did it have something to do with children? Mm, that was the, uh, yes. They're unique. It did. And, look, I think it still has something to do with children, Lisa. I just think that it's gone a bit awry. But, anyway, back to the main game. Um, so, that's, so that's where the, the system, that's the, uh, where it came from and, and kind of the very potted history of how we got ratings.
1: Wonderful.
0: Fascinating.
1: All right. So thanks for that big overview, Leanne. So Lisa, uh, you I think are now the the expert on this. You've had a fantastic article published in the Sydney Morning Herald, which we'll link to uh, in you. the yeah, no, really fantastic article. Um, so are you happy just to give us like the sort of the, the, the summary of of what's happened here? People may have seen some you know stuff happening on social media, but what's what's been proposed here with this new system? So
0: look, what happened is on Saturday, the ABC and the Daily Telegraph had um, stories saying that in New South Wales, services would now have to display a star rating um, sticker on their front door, which was designed to help parents decide which service they'd use and to help push service quality higher. It's been quite a disturbing announcement apart from a few things like it was announced with the Wiggles' Dorothy the Dinosaur present and Uh. taking a lead part of the announcement. It was also um, uh, made complicated because there was different versions of it going around. And in fact, we still don't know which is the right version. So in one of the versions, it said it was um, going to happen from January of this year. In another one, it said July of this year. In one of the versions, it said that it would be a, a star chart where there'd be five stars if you're excellent and one star if you're working towards and filled in between those. And the other one said, no, no, each service would only get one star and the star would be a different colour depending upon whether you're um, excellent. I think that's a blue one. Exceeding... Oh, no, excellent is a gold one. Exceeding is a blue one. You know, down to pink is working towards. Um, So, yeah, that's what's happened. It's only New South Wales. It's not the other states and territories. And yeah, apparently it's going to change the world.
1: Interesting. Well, I think for anyone who was spending a bit of time on Facebook or Twitter over the weekend, there's probably seen uh, quite an interesting reaction. I think from the sector, I know uh, probably even among the three of us, there was probably quite a reaction. But Lisa, can you, you uh, are you happy to provide a bit of a summary of uh, you know the I guess the um, what some of the reaction has been, or I guess what some of the Uh, negative responses to this has been
0: it has i have and interestingly i just wrote everything that i could remember anyone saying or that i thought myself as an objection to the announcement that was made on saturday And when i i started to put bullet points and then i went no i'll number it and then i realized that i have exactly an a to z list of objections oh, that people have raised. <laughs> <Perhaps>. <laughs> so, I'll read them out very quickly, shall I? Cuz it's, it's 26 in the list. Are there actually okay. 6, 26, 26 objections that you've heard? Yep.
1: I don't know okay. if I don't okay. know if either of you two know the definition of potted history. So, Leanne has taken us back to the 19th century and Lisa's got a list of 26 things. I might just refer you to the definition of potted history later on.
2: But everything everything has, you know, a long history, Liam. I think that we have, to, we have to acknowledge
0: that. Very true. And I've put some of these objections together. It could have been a lot longer. Okay. The objections are that it was done without consultation, that it was announced badly. We still... It was announced on Saturday. Today is now Tuesday. We still don't know if it's a coloured star system or a one-to-five star chart. It was announced by Dinosaur. Ratings are already available for parents and already have to be displayed at the service, so it's putting something on top of something that already exists. It does nothing to fix the real issues of quality in a service. It equates education and care with a consumer good. It presumes that parent uh, that it doesn't take into account the fact that we know that parents make their decision on other factors other than ratings. The money spent on this had an opportunity cost. It it could have been spent on yeah like something like actually improving quality. Um. New South Wales has the dodgiest assessment system anyway and many services are angry at being forced to display ratings they disagree with. It walks New South Wales away from a national system and that's my personal thing. Uh, That's the one that eats at me the most. It came from the state that invests the least in education and care anyway We know which providers supply rubbish care, but they're allowed to continue as long as they put a sticker on their door admitting it. It devalues the craft of teaching. It isn't a real star chart anyway. If it's the one that, you know, the department says it is, as apart from what the government and the Liberal Party say it is, then it's just a a single star system with different colours for each thing. So it's not a real star chart. But if it is a five-star system, then services that are exceeding um, the national quality framework still are not seen as five-star services. Um, Re-ratings don't happen often enough in New South Wales, so it could be five years before you get your next rating to get rid of your one-star or two-star rating. Parents aren't stupid. A lot of this is based on the fact that parents can't understand what good quality and bad quality is, but some people reckon that parents aren't that stupid. Star charts are kind of, like, pretty meh anyway, and like all in extrinsic reward systems, they don't work. Um, as someone said so clearly online today, they're dubious enough for toileting, let alone for service quality. Um it's being said that it's done for parents, but how crap is it going to make a parent feel if they're going to drop their child at a one-star service every day because that's the only service they can get into or afford? It's supposed to be a I think that's simpler.
2: the one that's the one that I feel most sad about is that that particular, yeah, how yeah. A, how a parent feels as they walk through the door of their one-star service.
0: Yeah, it's not good. Um, it's supposed to be a simpler system, but if, if it is the one that the department is saying where every service gets a star, just a different coloured star, how is that simpler? Oh, look, my service has got a star. Yeah, they've got a star for significant improvement required. Um, it, the public awareness of service quality is part of a review that's happening at this very moment, the National Quality Framework Review. Why are we acting before that review delivers its report? It means that there'll be a rush of services who, if they're rich enough, will want to be and can afford to pay the cost of a re-review, will want to be re-rated before June when this is compulsory. It doesn't help parents actually choose because choice is restricted in a falling, failing market. If there's not enough services in your area, then you choose the one that can give you a place. Um, That peak organisations approved it without consulting with their members. That it's a waste of time and resources. And last but not least, who wants an ugly sticker on their door anyway?
1: Mm -hmm. Sticker chart. All right, I think that was a pretty comprehensive list, Lisa. I don't know, Leanne. Is there, are there particular things you wanted? I, I, like, we could probably spend about three hours going through this, but um, there there particular things you wanted to sort of pick up from that that list of objections Lisa gave there?
2: I, how about I just choose three of those and be very quick? Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> well, the, I think what the first thing is the reductionist um approach to quality that really concerns me when it is such a complex issue and it is reduced to this this thing on the door and we don't see that in any other education service anywhere in australia we don't see something on the door that says you are now entering a three-star school or a four-star school or whatever (laughs) and and that and and to me that is very very reductionist um The second thing is, I've got three things, not just two. Um,
0: (laughs) I noticed.
2: (laughs) um, The second thing is it doesn't do anything to improve quality. It just tells us perhaps what is happening on that site. And when I say perhaps, um, this leads me to my third point, is that we still have, uh, don't get me wrong, I think that, our um, national quality standards and our framework is so important and has been one of the most important things that we have done for children in this country, leading on from those other wonderful things that have happened that led to this. But we still don't have um, an unflawed system and we still have some real challenges around how the rating and assessment occurs which have been the focus of many provider and peaks attention in the last um, at least six to 12 months. And then now to uh, support a system that just puts that right on the front door, a system that everybody is trying to work to make better, to me seems, I just can't make that, I can't, they don't align, those things don't align for me. If we do
0: you feel you think like it could have been to try and deflect some of that criticism. From the department's perspective, yeah. do you think? Well perhaps it
2: was, but then that's fine. The department can suggest what they want. Nobody needs to actually do it. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like the department can you you can't you can't implement a system like that without having buy in. From, from the parts of the sector. So even if the department had raised it and said, this is a Tom terrific idea, then people had to get on board with the terrific idea. And yet there have been the last six to 12 months at least have been big issues around the consistency of ratings and, uh, you know, some of the elements of of how people have achieved ratings, services that have been exceeding in the past uh, have been rated at, at a, um, you know, some even working towards summit meeting. And, and that has been the focus of many providers and peaks attention. Yep.
1: Absolutely. I think for me, because I think you've uh, you both made uh, really excellent points there, we should say after we finish talking, we're going to cross to an uh, interview Lisa recorded with Anthony Saman, who I think makes a lot of these really specific practice points uh, really well. The only point I think I would add here is that, sort of uh, continuing on from what you said there, Leanne, is that we run a real risk of undermining you know, people's faith in the system, because you're absolutely right. There are the system, we, we have to have a quality rating system. If this was a three-hour episode, we could start getting into some of maybe Peter Moss's ideas on going beyond quality and what that means. But mm-hmm. this is where we're at. There needs to be a system where we can ensure that um, that you know there are minimum standards for, for children uh, and families as well. But what I worry about is that we are prioritizing assumed lack of knowledge about families over the actual educators and professionals who are working in the sector. So I think there's been this problem identified, and I think we're gonna get into this a bit later, uh, rightly or wrongly, that there's a lack of understanding around the rating system which I think is probably stressing out politicians and 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 maybe bureaucrats as well and rather than working with the sector or you know heaven forbid you know funding a better approach to helping families understanding the system we have there's this kind of top-down approach to saying well let's just simplify the system and have this star-based star based star base system but I think there's a real risk this undermines uh, you know a sector that has some some legitimate and some, I would say, not legitimate concerns around, particularly things around consistency, around the the opacity, around the re-ratings process. And I will say, I find this particularly worrying that this is happening in New South Wales, where the data shows that there is a, a, a much higher level yeah. of applications for reassessment of ratings? Yeah. I've just been – literally while you were talking, Leanne, I was on mute and I was scrabbling around the Osequa site and I can't find it. At least I don't know if you remember it off the top of your head, but it was staggering the difference. I can't
0: remember it off the top of my head, but it's quite a huge number. It is huge. Yeah. yeah, requests for reviews yeah. from New South Wales services compared to yeah. the rest of the country. Which so, has been a real a real challenge
2: here. So do you get to put your three stickers on the door or your four stickers on the door? And at what stage do you have to take one off or add one or whatever? Are they independent stickers <laughs> so you can just add and subtract?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, you get two and a half stars. I don't, I, yeah, it's hard to know. So I think... Yeah, there's a whole range of objections here, which I think we'll continue to go into. But Lisa, you maybe like if you if you had to sort of give a reason for what, why do you think this is happening? Why why are they doing? Why are they? Rolled Sorry, out the
0: just before I do that, can I just do the part of it that I object to the most? Because oh, sure. um Because it's really important to me. It's the fact that it's taking away from the national system. Now, how New South Wales, the New South Wales government intends to do this, in my understanding, is that they're going to put a requirement on the licence of each New South Wales service that says they've got to display this sticker. Now, once a state begins to put things, they've already done this once unilaterally with family daycare services, they put a a requirement for a certain number of educators to coordinators for all family daycare services in New South Wales. Once a state begins to do this, what else can they add on as license conditions? I went back and had a look at the National Quality uh, uh, Agreement, the first national partnership that's been kind of like you know, kept going year after year, as to see what it said about this kind of thing. And the interesting thing it said was that one of the um, the whole aims of the National Quality Framework and the National Quality Agenda was to improve public knowledge about and access to information about the quality of early childhood education and care and OSH services to parents, carers and the general public to help inform their choices about the quality of education and care provided to their children. So that was always built in. Mind you, one of the other things that was built in was building a highly skilled workforce, which I'm not exactly sure has happened. But it then went on to the penalties for things, you know, that would happen if the jurisdictions acted by themselves, not in partnership, not nationally. And it said, you know, it says things like jurisdictions will not move unilaterally to change standards or fees in the future. Yeah, you know? so it was really clear that, um, you know, it was to happen nationally. You now it wasn't just to happen by one state. So that's the bit that worries me the most. So, do you feel it could be like a slippery slope? You know, this is the start
2: of
1: yep, the.
0: Yep, you bet. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think that it's so, it's this is the frustration, it's the difficult part. And I think I've been accused on social media of, you know, not liking families or not well, you not caring what happens with families. But it's it's so much easier for politicians and bureaucrats to approach this from the family angle. So the, the it's the easiest thing in the world to just go, well, how can we make this easier to fam- for families? rather than taking the longer, more difficult, more complex work around, well, how can we make sure this is actually supporting services as well? But this idea that we're we're continually prioritizing the interests of i don't think it's proven that this this will improve, you know, family understanding of the rating system. But we're prioritising that over the experience of educators, professionals in the sector. Um, and unfortunately, part part of the challenge for this is that you know the peak bodies in New South Wales and nationally seem to be sort of lining up to support the system, which is really where the voices of educators and professionals should be heard, which I think is a, a challenge. I think we're probably going to come back to that point, but um, I forgot to let you say, well, you dislike most about the system, Lisa, but do you want to go back to that question about what, why do you think they've done Why has the New South Wales government done this? What's the reasoning behind it?
0: Do you know what? I, I really don't know. I think that they got it into their head that it, it's kind of a circular thing. Families don't know about it don't know much about um, assessments. Therefore, why are we spending all this money investing in assessments if families don't actually know about it? Can you see that kind of a circle that they're doing? But, you you know, it could also be just to do things like to deflect from the fact that there's a lot of anger about how New South Wales is assessing under the NQF. It could also be because... Um they New South Wales is responsible for the n q f review. Maybe they want to put a suggestion like this into the review paper, and they wanted to prove that it could work before they put it in. Mm. i look, I don't know, but you know essentially, you're asking me to guess why the New South Wales government does something that we you've actually got an yeah, opinion, don't it <laughs> yeah
1: that's
0: yeah. Essentially, the New South Wales government does counterintuitive things every single minute of every single day and have done for quite a long while. I'm not going there.
1: So we should at least feel at least the sector's not being left out from slightly crazy decision-making.
0: Yeah, true. (laughs) (laughs) All
1: right, well, if we we move away from the the, the decision that's been taken to implement this system, let's talk a bit about, I guess, the rollout because I think that's created some specific issues as well, which I think you had in your big A to Z list. Um, I mean, I think we have to briefly touch on the – one of the criticisms was that this has been rolled out in a way that's – I, th- I think could be described as kind of disrespectful with the professionalism of the sector. So, you know, Dorothy the Dinosaur was wheeled out to be there. The entire, from what I could see in terms of the media releases and the, the, the articles on the day, this is e- the entire focus was what on on families and their understanding of the system. Uh, do we, I'm, you know, I think I've just made a statement, I'm not sure what the question is, but are there other concerns with how you know, with how this has been rolled out? Leanne. And look looking Leanne, you were this, you know, the CEO of a peak body in, in New South Wales, you know, not that long ago. You know, if you would, would you, what was your sort of view on how this was rolled out as a sector initiative, let alone just as a system in it itself?
2: Uh, well, to be honest, I heard it from you guys first. So um... <laughs>
1: <laughs> we were the rollout. <laughs>
2: uh, you, you were the rollout because I was a little bit off, off, uh, off the air. I was going to say off the planet. Um, <laughs> You know, once upon a time I think we would have thought Dorothy the Dinosaur was a pretty good way to roll it out because it would be, it it would gather attention and because that's a family focus. So I, I think that it, that doesn't speak obviously to the professionalism of the sector but the rollout wasn't intended to be letting the sector no, it was kind of supposed to be about letting families know so in that way it's probably not a bad marketing strategy but in terms of the profession and the sector knowing that and understanding it I mean I, I I've looked back and sort of thought okay how how did the sector find out about this and as I said I found out from you guys so I'm not sure how people in organizations found out whether they were told via, um, uh, and, you know, internal newsletters or whether they received notice before it happened on that day. Um, so I guess the flaw there is, you know, families knew, but the people who were being rated essentially didn't know. And that's, I think, as, a, if I, as an educator, I would have been shocked
0: and probably quite disappointed. I think that the peak organisations knew as well, but they were probably put under confidentiality agreements by the state government, because
2: the because I guess the target is
0: parents here, families, and and that's the that's the position. Can that I remember taking... with the Dorothy thing though that it's also for out of school hours care service? You know how relevant is Dorothy for a twelve year old going to an OSH service? Well, I guess it's leveraging that idea that families
2: who have got school age children probably have younger children as well and that that was how they were going to hear it. But, yeah, I don't know. Don't know.
0: It seems, like a, it seems like a good marketing strategy. Look, the other thing apart from Dorothy, Liam, was just the complete how could you stuff something up like this so much? How could the Liberal Party have on their website... And the New South Wales Government General website have that it was a star rating that, you know, went from one to five stars. And the Department of Education say, no, it's just a coloured star. How could one of them say, you know, it was starting in January and one of them say it was starting in July? This isn't, yeah like this is not rocket science here we're not talking about you know finely debated bits of climate change policy or something we're talking about bloody stickers on doors and they couldn't even get that right yeah i
2: sort of just that's that's right but i think that these are the things they'll be kind of forgotten you know that that will be you're right there's not that alignment of the marketing but in the end that stuff is just going to be forgotten but the stars shall remain (laughs)
1: <laughs> Sounds like a title of a nice poem or something. Um, we... so, starry
0: starry night. Can we have that as the theme music for this? I will one? have
1: to I will have to find a nice star-based uh, twinkle, song to take us out. Twinkle, on little star.
2: <laughs> So, I wonder I think it should be a Star is Born. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, that's my planned pun title for this episode, if I'm brave enough to use it. Um, a star brackets <laughs> rating system is born. But the I, <laughs> I, I wonder if in the interest of balance, because there are obviously people making the argument that this, that this system isn't all bad. So I think if, if I can, I, and I don't want to do this in bad faith, but again, I'm not, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a free podcast. And if people have positive views about this, they're welcome to run their own podcast. So I don't think we're under any obligation to present you know, a balanced journalistic approach to this. However, the from what I can tell in terms of the feedback I've seen from the people responding on social media is that this isn't replacing the National Quality Standard rating system. So the ratings still remain. This just is is a attempt to simplify what those ratings are for families and yes,
0: simplify. Sure, yes,
1: and that surely anything that gets families more invested and, and understanding the NQS is a positive, good thing? I mean, Lisa, are you happy? I mean, what's your view on that? That's been the response, I think, to the negativity around it.
0: Look, I don't think it'll help parents become more invested in the system. I think it'll confuse parents even more. I don't... I actually have started to question, despite the fact that it was in the agreement um, from the very beginning, exactly why do parents really need to know this? You know, like, you know, if parents could choose where their child was going, if it wasn't decided by market forces, that would be, you know, somewhat different. But I just, that family that has to send their child to the one-star rated service, that really upsets me. We know, above all, who the bad services is. We know... You know, which part of the sector delivers higher rating services than others we know? Which providers deliver bad services consistently? Why don't we do something about that? Why don't we do something about helping bad services improve rather than this kind of froth and bubble?
1: So my... Did I answer that question? Yeah, I think so. So here's... Uh, It's not exactly playing devil's advocate, but I think this is... The more we get into the weeds of the quality ratings discussion, I think that this has sparked is so... You mentioned there, you know, the family sending their children to one-star services, but under this system, that would be serious improvement required. And I would actually argue... We, that's not a good service. So, whether families, okay.
0: two-star services still, I wouldn't stay in a two-star hotel unless I was forced to.
1: So this is the interesting. Or eat at thing. a yeah. two-star restaurant. So this is where I think we're having all there are almost two separate discussions that one of which is being had and one of which maybe isn't being had. So that the the star rating system in general may, if you know, for for some families, may give them a better understanding. I mean, not based on what you're saying, which is they're not actually using numbers of stars; they're just using different coloured stars. This just seems like an added layer of confusion. But let's even say it was simpler and 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 was a better way for families to understand what quality meant in services. Um, the 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 backlash from the sector in terms of the the the, the sector has no funded professional development. There's no real. You know, intensive embedded programs to support services to continue meeting those quality improvement goals that the NQF was set up for. That there was this focus on professional, for focus on continuous quality improvement. So the controversial view that I would have would be, you know, it's, it's actually we need we need to. We need to have a, a, a state where, or, or you know, we need to have a, a um, situation where all services are at least meeting the NQS. So what I slightly worry about is that this this conversation has become about, well, this is unfair on services that are rated working towards. Now, it's very difficult to start that conversation because people will go, well, the system's unfair, and I'm rated to work working towards because you know there's it's a biased system. So the, we so we have this conversation and we go down rabbit holes around well well you know who said what about the particular rating rather than the situation is can we not can we try and remember that you know there are the federal government in particular and not many of the states and territories are actually now investing big amounts of money in supporting all services to lift their quality and I'm actually far more interested in that discussion I think in the long run than this one I think this one exposes some views about how the government and unfortunately how it seems peak bodies are viewing how we should approach professional identity in the sector. But I worry that we're missing this argument around, well, is this a bit of a distraction from, hey, by the way, the sector's not getting a lot of support at the moment and maybe we should actually focus on that.
2: Yeah, I, I think you're 110% right
1: there, Liam. Oh, that's always, <laughs> I, that's always my favourite sentence when Leanne says that.
2: 110 <laughs> <laughs> Well, but you're perfectly right. I mean, look at what we're talking about. We're talking about this this rating system and what that actually you know what what it does and and wouldn't it be much better to be having that conversation ourselves around professional support and and you know what what engaging um, the whole of the community of uh, of an early childhood setting in quality improvement as opposed to what is you know the existence of a rating how that centre is rated and and obviously the pressure on educators, to get the right colour star or the right number of stars, is that's going to be such a tough thing as well for educators um, in services that are driven by getting people, getting the customers through the door in areas where, uh, you know, there might be more services, not that there's that many areas, but there are some where there's more services that, uh, than um children in the area, and what's the pressure here on educators at this point, and how do they feel about it?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, the other thing for me is if, if we accept the premise that, and there is some data from a sequel to back this up, is that families do have a relatively poor understanding of the framework in general. Um,
0: but the- it all that data also said that it was because they weren't, that's not how they made their decision. They yeah. made their decision based on word of mouth and their own gut feeling.
1: Exactly, but also, I, I'm not sure why we've leaped to. Well, the only response then is to dumb down and simplify the rating system, rather than, mm. well, gee, maybe we should spend a bit of money on really getting into the community, and instead of just having one, you know, starting blocks website which doesn't seem to be doing that well, mm. why wouldn't we? Why, why can't the response be? But the answer is because this is never the response in early childhood, which is let's spend more money, let's do a targeted campaign, let's get the sector involved. Yeah. But, if that's yeah, the problem we're trying to
2: solve. Problem, well, it is, but part of the problem is that families aren't in early childhood education for very long. And and what happens is that they find the right service for that first child and then they try and send all of their children to that service if they've got more than one child. But they're just not there long enough to create change. The The time that parents are in an early childhood setting is just – it's it's not as long as a, a public you know primary school or a high school or whatever
0: Liam, one of the things that really crosses my mind and I th- just before we go any further i think it, it it we do need to mention that new south wales government gave a sequid 10 million dollars to roll out a quality program for those services that were the worst of the worst so, so those that got working towards on every quality area. So if you've got, yes you know, um, seven working towards, then you could get um, an intensive program through a CEQA to try and fix the equality. And from all intents and purposes, from what I've heard of that, that actually is working a bit. But what strikes me is that the same services that were rating badly under... The old nca system NCAC system are still rating badly under this system. If you look at the services that are rated as working towards, and I'm sorry, I don't have the figures off the top of my head, but you can see that often they've been rated work rated as working towards twice since 2011 and a sequin makes all this fuss about services you know are generally improving their quality and that's true but it's not true for the ones that are the very bottom of the quality so why are we having this fuss about whether parents understand it or something? Why aren't we outraged that some services never get to meet the national quality standard? Surely the national quality standard meeting it should be the basic. And, I'm, I'm you know, I can hear in my voice services saying I was rated exceeding the first time I was rated and this time I was rated working towards because the assessor found a spider web in my um, back garden. True story. And I feel very sorry for those services. But there are other services that have just been consistently rated as bad quality and yet they're allowed there's no there's no stick. There was no stick with NCAC. What was the bottom rating there, Leanne? I've forgotten. Uh, unsatisfactory. Oh, unsatisfactory. I think there was one was below it? that. I think well, there was can, one below you that. You can be at the bottom for years and years under that system. Yeah. You can you can be at the bottom for years and years under this system. There's no... But also... You know, but also like, s- there's got to remember- be a penalty somewhere along the way. Either there's a penalty or they've got to be helped. And at the moment, all we're saying is, no, nah, you got to put your stickers up on your wall. Boo-hoo. Yeah, so that... Um-
2: in, I, I think there were probably two or three services sanctioned under, or maybe there were ten nationally that were sanctioned under yeah. the old
0: system. And but and they didn't lose their right to to, or was that what the sanction was that they couldn't get CCB and CCR? Yeah, that, there
2: was a very yeah. small number of those. But also, let's not forget that some of those services that are consistently rated. At those very low levels, have got a lot of other structural problems that might be in place as well. So put aside like their ownership. Well, put aside put aside that for a minute and think about what might happen in a, for perhaps a very remote area or who who has some real challenges around staffing. There were services that we were working with um, through the professional support coordinator that had been rated at that low you know whatever working towards or unsatisfactory was at the time but they had but they had staffing issues they had been in these really difficult very remote areas there were lots of challenges around the system to support them but of course there was then the professional support now once they were able to get that there was some change as well but we don't have that anymore so you know we we can't blanketly say it's just because it's one You know, it's a provider that is um, a for-profit provider that's behaving badly or a not-for-profit provider that's behaving badly or whatever. There are some other systemic problems, which comes back to our original point about putting resources and funding into supporting services to improve.
1: Absolutely. Well just before we wrap this up and go to, to uh, your interview with Anthony Lisa if we accept i guess the premise that the run of the re- one of the significant reasons for this uh, new system is i guess family understanding of the quality rating system and the NQF in general, rather than just being us very uh, complaining about this new system, let's come to the table with a solution. That's what everyone says. You can't just come with a complaint. I've got one. I've got ah. one. I've
0: got one, Liam.
1: What, what 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 options would we propose to, I guess, if to fix in, in inverted commas this issue of family understanding? Lisa, I can see your hand up there in the back. Go for it.
0: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Funny that. If you made all services meet a certain level of quality, like let's say, I don't know, meeting the National Quality Service, then it wouldn't matter if families understood the quality rating system or not because all of them, their children would be going to a service that was actually adequate. Now, I wonder how you could increase the quality of all services Mm, Maybe some professional development, maybe increasing wages so that they could employ high qualified staff, maybe changing some of the standards so that you don't have one person with four babies in a room going silently mad or maybe not so silently as the case may be. If you just improved quality, it wouldn't matter whether parents understood it or not.
1: Well, oh, gosh! <laughs> Apologies yeah, to the listeners. I the mic
0: at all. That was a literal
2: mic. Did, <laughs> did you just, <laughs> just, did you, oh, I thought you were thumping the desk. You dropped the mic.
1: <laughs> it's getting late, Very listeners, good. as we record this. Very
2: good.
1: All right, Leanne, what's your solution to this uh, crisis that the New South Wales government's identified?
2: Uh well, look, all of the things that, that um, Lisa just said, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go bigger. I'm going. Ch- I want to <laughs> change. I want us to change the whole early childhood story and you know how do, how do families know about what good schools are to send their children to or what are the good you know what are the good high schools or whatever they talk about they talk about schooling they talk about what school means to children for good and bad so we won't get into the standardized testing so we need to change that conversation i want families talking about apart from Lisa's brilliant strategies there. I want families talking about early childhood education and what that means. So it's having that conversation about it. That's the story that
1: I'd like to change. Wonderful, yeah. And I think I've, I think I've already raised. I think this 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 needs to be approached at from the government level, which is uh, you know more yeah exactly. All right, telling their story about early education and telling the story about why it's important. And again, heaven forbid, putting some funds in for professional development. Yeah, and
2: that that it's not um, just about, sorry, Liam, to interrupt, but it's not just about children being ready for school and being ready for their standardised testing that they go into. It's actually about the world being a better place, and that's what early childhood education is about. And if we have high-quality early childhood education, then, as Lisa says, we don't need to have people be discerning. We'll just have wonderful services with brilliant, problem-solving socially aware socially just children moving into the school system
1: wonderful i'm on board for that world well lovely to have us all together bantering again thanks for the chat you too uh we will now take a quick break and then we'll be back with uh an interview that lisa's recorded with anthony saman and his views on this announcement so stay with us are you listening to our exploring the NQS series If you're a supporter of the show on Patreon, you're not only helping to keep the show going, you'll also get access to an extra podcast where I explore every element of the National Quality Standard one at a time. It's a great way to get yourself up to speed with the NQS, consider different perspectives and grow your own professional development. Each episode is only 15 minutes. Just head to earlyeducationshow.com and click support the show in the menu to sign up and start listening for as little as $1 a month.
0: So, thank you for coming on the Early Education Show. Um, you seem to have a fairly strong reaction on Saturday when news came out that every service in New South Wales was going to have a star sticker on the front page. Tell us about your reaction.
3: Uh, Lisa, it's great to be on the show. Um, and, yeah, thank you for seeking my my response. Look, I think... Um, I want to be very clear. I am a great advocate for assessment and rating. Um, I truly believe in my heart of hearts and my experience that Australia does offer some of the best early childhood programs in the world. I don't say that lightly. I've traveled around the world on a regular basis looking at early childhood programs. And I think in part, it's because we have a system that lifts the quality um, and 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 makes gives opportunity for people to reflect on what they do. So I just want to be really clear about that. Secondly, I if this is a really um, important initiative, there are two failures to what happened. For something so important, I don't think it can just be sprung on the sector, given the uh, so-called impact this will have. The the notion of consulting with the sector as a form of ethic is something that I hold dearly. And for something just to be announced like this seems nothing less than inappropriate from my perspective. Given government clearly understands, New South Wales government clearly understands some of the stress that people are under, you know, wanting to work with this system, that surely you would not want to add more stress by just announcing that now there are going to be s- stars on front doors. Secondly, my reaction really was from Dorothy the dinosaur. Um,
0: you don't like Dorothy the dinosaur? You know, I, I
3: don't really care for her. I don't really think about Dorothy on a daily or yearly basis. My my concern was, for something so serious, why dumb it down with Dorothy? You know, um, we're a sector that tries really hard to be taken really seriously and of all things they could have pulled out like, you know, someone from our sector who has worked tirelessly to improve quality to a person um, in our sector that we hold dearly um, and happy for them to represent. But no, Dorothy, the dinosaur was pulled out to make this announcement. I can't ever recall when a character was pulled out to represent NAPLAN. And so I kind of had this visceral response to, well, first, there's no consultation. And secondly, the person who knew before the sector was a dinosaur. <laughs>
1: Hmm,
0: <laughs> maybe it says something about what the New South Wales government thinks about the early education sector, doesn't it?
3: And I do have to say, it wasn't just me. And so, I, you know, I always kind of check in on myself to say, you know, am I overreacting? My conversations with many people in the sector that day, and I'm not just talking on social media, I was fueling many phone calls and making phone calls, um, you know, to people I really admire who were quite concerned that something so complex has been reduced to a star system. Now, I can appreciate and perhaps even understand where government is coming from, New South Wales government. I mean, sure, if parents don't understand, well, a lot of services spend a lot of time trying to bring families into this system, trying to seek their feedback, But again, to reduce the complexity of quality down to a star, I find highly problematic because there's more to your rating than a star.
0: One of the things that I found really difficult about it was that we got misinformation from the government immediately as to whether it was going to be uh, you know, like four stars equals or five stars equal excellent, one star equals working towards. But apparently it's not. It's just going to be a, a different colour star for each, um, you know, for each quality area. Do you think this will, in fact, make it any easier for parents to understand?
3: Um, I don't know. I don't know. I only know, Lisa, from my own experience, limited, be it speaking to families. And I was having a conversation with a friend who um, has just enrolled his child, his baby child into an early childhood program. What matters to him are the things that are visible to him. What matters to him are the relationships that he felt in the third center he went to, because the first two they were evidently missing from his perspective. When I asked him about assessment and rating, and whether he referred to it. I mean, and yes, it was, he's only been at this centre for a couple of months. That assessment and rating was not a decision that was not an impact on his decision, to be quite honest. It was the things that were evident amongst the service and the staff while he was there. Do I think it might make it easier? I don't know, maybe for some, I'm not really sure. But right now I have to be really honest. My thoughts aren't with families my thoughts are with educators who are feeling somewhat gutted that practice is reduced to a star rating
0: can you tell me pedagogically do, do educators still use star charts
3: no we've been told for many years that extrinsic motivation like that does not lead to a change in behavior long term um So, no, they don't. And I suppose this is the other thing, this idea that stickers and star charts are a way of improving practice needs to be juxtaposed against what we know from the theory of intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, albeit that it's going to make your front door look ugly. (laughs) I wondered how you'd feel about that. (laughs) It's It's a very complex issue and I just wish that the New South Wales government had a conversation with the sector about how people feel about this. I don't think most, look, all the people I have spoken to over the many years since assessment and rating applaud systems to improve quality. They, they want things that help improve their practice. No, no one is so egoful that says, I have nothing to learn what they become resentful is about this inability for the new south wales government just to talk to them to engage with them to have them part of the dialogue to work collaboratively to give you know new systems new processes something that they want to work with of course they're going to have to work with it and you know we're such a compliant sector that they will but i'm not sure this is a way to get people on board
0: Anthony, you work around Australia. Do you see a difference in, you know, like do you think any of the other states will bring this in? Do you see a difference in how the other states work with the sector to try and um, improve quality than how the New South Wales government does?
3: Um, Look, I do work with other states um, and, um, you know, I do a lot of work in Victoria and, you know, you never compare your children, but the Victorian government is very committed to working collaboratively with the sector to put resources in to support improvement in assessment and rating. And there is a real, um, what I would say, a strong relationship between the state government here and the sector. There's a feeling that there's um, they're being consulted that many of the initiatives are from the ground up, you know, if they're from the sector saying this is what would assist us. Um, That's not to say other states don't have systems in place. I just can't talk about them because I'm not aware of them. Are are other states gonna go this way? I I don't know. My question is what is wrong with New South Wales parents that, that they don't understand the system that has allowed this government just to introduce this? Is this a problem? in other states or just New South Wales' parents don't get it?
0: (laughs) Hard to think New South Wales' parents are that different from other parents. Um, Anthony, what about the fact, and I'm I'm aware you may be reluctant to um, say anything about this, but a lot of the peak organisations seem to come out applauding this. Does that put services and their own representatives in different positions?
3: I think it would be absolutely necessary for the Peaks to now communicate with their members around their position on this, and perhaps why they've taken that position, and whether they are representing the voice of their membership. You know, I mean, membership-driven organisations are there to represent their members. And I know that there's been some conversations online so far by a range of members of a range of organizations asking questions that were they aware um, did they see the need to consult with their membership i think in this i mean you know the temperature is pretty high at the moment online Um, (laughs) i think it would be quite uh useful for those member organizations to now engage in dialogue around what's in it for their members and how they feel for sure,
0: and just to finish off, are you going to suggest any civil disobedience on behalf of services about maybe not supply, not putting their stickers up?
3: Oh, you know, I'm compliant. I talk up, but I'm compliant. <laughs> you know, but I, I, look, I think if it's a, it's part, if it's part of their license, then it's part of their license. You know that that's the way, that's the way it works. I, I just want a bit more democracy. You know, as I said online, an, an ethic of consultation. Is something that is required between services and families if this is what we expect then I would expect that government do the same with with the centers that are working really hard and closely I hope it's not a fait accompli I hope there is some dialogue some public forums um, and opportunities for services to talk about this um, from what I gather it's a trial period is, am I correct in thinking that? No,
0: we haven't been told that. There's been a lot of discrepancies even about the date that you've got to do it by.
3: Right. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I read online that it's um, or a conversation online that it's there's going to be a trial period. I think that would be really interesting to talk about how that trial period, what it looks like, how it's going to be evaluated, uh, who's going to be involved, and that the voice of service directors um, and service staff are a part of that trial rather than just being handed down an outcome without them really being consulted.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us and for making those comments known. Um, uh, will I take it that um, Dorothy the dinosaur won't be appearing at a Samarn and Slattery conference soon?
3: I think she has other appointments and I'll leave her to those appointments.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
3: You're bye
0: welcome.
3: bye. <laughs> yes, night
1: time falls and all the stars come out and start twinkling. It's a beautiful sight. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. You have been listening to The Early Education Show. Thanks to our guest for this episode, Anthony Samar. You can find show notes and links for this episode and all our other episodes at earlyeducationshow.com. The show is hosted by Lisa Bryant, Leanne Gibbs, and Liam McNicholas, and produced by Liam McNicholas. The music is by Jazar at betterwithmusic.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show in the Apple Podcast Store. It really helps others find the show. Get in touch with us at Early Edu Show on Facebook and Twitter, or send us an email at gmail.com. See you next time. we